podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. So before we get started with this week's episode, I just want to say thank you for listening. And uh, there'll be more to come. As always, please uh, take uh, this conversation uh, as a moment to reflect and join us just in some, you know, serious discussion, but hopefully some some reflection and some lighthearted banter uh, of a positive sort. Uh, we do touch on today baby bonds, which is a policy issue, and also, um, you know, a couple other matters, um, you know, in the world. As always, man, like I said, take the best part for yourself and, uh, you know, enjoy. So with that, I'm going to let us get on with the conversation. Peace. Peace. I'm Majestic. My brother, Justice Raji. Ah, this is, this is a glorious day in Zamunda. It's a glorious day in Zamunda, that's right. Yeah, it's a black woman on the Supreme Court. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, just as a just as a close to that loop, it's sort of a. Hey, I just don't know how people like. What are they like? How you be like? Yo, you know, she's she's super awesome and she's totally qualified. But yeah, I ain't gonna vote for her though. And like, it did be like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, you at least just say I mean, like, look, yo, like, like, show me enough respect. Like, look, I'm just not voting for it because I don't want to vote for somebody who I, I don't think is conservative. And, and and if 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 when you know, I guess you say the other side is in a similar position, be like, yeah, we ain't voting for that person because we're liberals or we're whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, you know I'm saying like basically because if Republican didn't get a name, we ain't voting for him, and and then vice versa. And then we could all at least respect that that's just what it is. Don't act like it's this moral. Of <laughs> my values just won't let me pick this person. Like, your values be damned, my guy. Like, come on. Well, they have, you know, I will say, it's an interesting space of how they define, it's almost like a 2022 take on, like, the Southern gentleman or Southern lady concept like i'm i might be racist all get out but i will say please and thank you right so, they, so it's like right, i won't be disrespectful yeah i won't be disrespectful <laughs> i might be i might be cruel to you but i won't be disrespectful right because it's like okay well you're a great person to send in third but i it's not in my interest to allow you to be on the highest ruling court right because like to your point that's essentially what's being said it's not to my interest for you to be there. So while you could be a great human being, I am aligned with my interests to this degree mm-hmm. that I can't let you do that. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's hardball and it's vicious because what then the, the supporters of them say above all, they are civil. Right. And they juxtapose that versus when quote unquote, the other side 
does people and 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 to be true i think democrats have to be honest like they get points for for kind of stinging critiques of supreme court folks when they're on there right mm-hmm. you know the people that support them want to hear them make stinging critiques and and that's fine mm-hmm. and, and what happens is the the other side goes no we're not like them but we're still not gonna vote for you Right. And, and, you know, there's a, a, a article I just read, a reread about Leonard Leo from the Federalist Society in 2017. And just like the parameters and how they basically muscled presidents to realize that the Federalist Society did not support the person that they had. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, Bush, you know, Bush had one or two people who didn't make the Supreme Court. Sometimes we can forget that. Right. Gonzalez. Myers didn't make it. That's right. Right? Because they were not deemed conservative enough by the Federalist Society. So it's just an interesting narrative. And I I think we've talked before about how I think conservatives have done a really good job of, of kind of framing the political narrative that whatever doesn't fall within their thing is like out of bounds with American, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, thought you know what i mean so you know shouts to shouts to you know uh supreme court judge jackson you know uh future supreme court i guess you know this whole process of how you actually get on the bench right um but you know it, it like you've said before and you said earlier someone with her credentials frankly should not have been subject to the goofy things about child pornography and stuff like yeah, that today yeah. yeah and I, and I yeah and I just you know we can move on I just want to say this it is absurd and ridiculous and if anyone that's listening to this you could play this for like your relative that might if you actually think like you actually have the nascent now because this is the crazy thing about wild stuff in our society is like so what you're saying is the judge is somehow you basically because I would take it personally. You're basically implying I'm sort of down with child pornography. And I ain't with that. Like I would take that as wild disrespect. Like I better listen, man. <laughs> you got like two more sentences <laughs> before it's gonna be some furniture moving in here because you're going you're going way out of bounds. All right. Now what you want me to do is do that. That's what you want me to do. So I'm gonna say it in my in my uh, my calm and relaxed way. But basically, you are asserting that I am somehow down with pedophiles. And let me tell you something, Playboy. Nah, not cool, right? So we're gonna stop this whole line of conversation, but we're going to have a different meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like I you would be like the Richard Pryor. You'd be like that Richard Pryor uh, skit on the Richard Pryor show where he started talking one way, and then every time he kept talking, he kept being like, "All right, now, yeah, brother, Black Power." See for the brothers in the back, and then by the end, he was gonna fight the reporter. Right. Like, <laughs> the, yo, the reporter man. asked him about his mama. Yeah. <laughs> Like all it would took everything to me. All I could think was every time about you soft on crime. It was about to be like oh, you, your mama soft on crime. Like this is wildly disrespectful. Like where are we going with this? <laughs> and, and and my thing is is the fact that somewhere in a meeting, a group of people sat around and said, "What's our strategy? Here's what we do. We're going to keep insinuating that she's down with pedophiles. Like that's what we're going to do. And like people with haughty degrees and credentials and like." That would go outside in our everyday life in our society, and people look at, oh, that guy went to Harvard. He must be, you know, he must have been a great student in high school. And he's sitting in, in them, you know, because it wasn't, you know, because who knows the gender of everybody that was in those meetings. But somewhere, someone has written down on paper the strategy to defame this person is we're all going to insinuate 
that they're down with pedophiles. I don't know. Man. I mean, it, I it, just, it definitely goes back to Lee Atwater. I mean, you know, you go back to Bush and, and yeah, I mean, this idea, I mean, you know, that you paint Mike, Mike Dukakis, who seemed to be as regular and kind of normal a governor of a northeastern state that you're going to get. Yeah. That he let people out for murder. and You know what I mean? Like in a character building, which has developed since then, frankly, on both I mean, you know, I think it's just part of our society. But to your point, I think there's a group of people who just keep this, keep that stain there. Right. Like yeah. we're just going to assert this and keep saying it so that there's someone sitting in some state. I'm not going to say what kind of state because I don't want to frame one. One state is more classy than the other, because clearly, to your point, people go to these places and get all these degrees and still do. Yeah. stuff, Right. Yeah, but, no class. So people are sitting somewhere and being like, oh, Democrats in the way that they rule probably like to let out people who are generally perceived as people who are anti-society. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that and that's that sticks for the next elections. Right. They, they're not they just did that for that, but they really did it for the midterm. Right. They really did it for the next president. Right. Like and so that's the, you know. To your point, there's something to be said for just being like, you know what, this is going to be a grimy, grimy thing. Let's all agree it's going to be grimy and deal with it accordingly versus the civility of it when the underlying thing is still about power and influence. Yeah, and that's why I just did like, you know, just you know, we'll just be my little move on. Like, y'all just need somebody in the room to go. So what y'all are trying to say is, and I just want to put that on the record. I just want to say it out loud so it's on the record so that later we can look back at this. Because this is what you're basically implying. Okay, so anyway, we're going to move on now. But that's some real <laughs> clown stuff you're doing. And my thing is, for an everyday person, like, do some examination of your personness. If you go, yeah, I bet you they are sort of, wait a minute. Like, think about what you're saying. <laughs> but, you know, now that gets into other, you know, this is not a conversation time for that. But um, the nuances of... Irreprehensible behavior that flow through different parts of our society that is not always spoken of, depending on people's uh, social circumstances and what they experience and trauma and pain. So there's a lot of other stuff there that we could unpack, but we're not going to do that right now because we're going to talk about baby bonds. All right, all right. Yeah, I did that. Boom, just moving on. Boom, So, um, you know, and uh, it's something the, the conversation about the racial wealth gap. Um, you know, the structural inequities of, of the United States, you know, the um, you know, reparations conversation. Um, and there's a particular piece around like the, the, the concept of, of baby bonds, um, which you know, I'll give my basic understanding of it is, is that when, a, you know, um, similar to when a, uh, basically when a child is born, that we as a society would basically open like an account, so to, so to speak, and you know, like an actual account, not that fake one. Some of y'all be out here talking about there's an account for you at the social security office. Ain't no account for you at the social security office. Just just like you know, the you know, the people they be doing that thing with the straw man and all that tomfoolery. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm gonna say it. And if y'all got a problem with it, you come holler at me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, so <laughs> moving on, right? But like an actual account basically as a strategy to um create opportunity especially for those um you know and 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 for everyone 
that that finds them. So not just you know black folks, not just you know what I'm saying uh, the Latino community, or not just you know but for everybody that you when the baby's born, you start a little account or whatever, a little money goes in the fund, and that money grows, you know, stays in that bond, um, you know, with them till they turn you know eighteen or twenty something or whatever, and then that they would receive those funds to to to, be, to do with you know, as they wish to go to school, start a business, get a training, whatever that may be, you know, and as a strategy to to create more um, uh, basically financial, you know, uh, wealth equity in our society. Um, yeah, which I've read, I think the first time I read something about, there's a book, I, I, I don't know if I still have it here, I'll pull it out. Um, but it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a couple folks out of Vermont, I think. Then they were talking about this as a, as a concept, and um, and particularly this article that I would put on the show links is a uh, feature. Uh, what's my man's name here? Let me go up here. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Derek Hamilton, um, who's an academic at the New School, and you know, basically the ideas. And there's a couple states that are putting together state level baby bond programs um, to, to test it out, but uh, generally. You know, what was some of your thoughts about, you know, the baby bonds? So, you know, there's a couple of things. One, I think about, you know, us being Generation X kids and, you know, the, the idea when people would give you like a bond, right? Like, you know, somebody in your family would be like, here's a bond. Here's like a $50 thing. And then, you know, I guess everyone trusted in American <laughs> prim, prim promise in society that that would grow. You know, whether it did or not, that's another thing. Um, mm -hmm. But like, so I think it, it, there's a there's a broad concept here. You know, we have framed a narrative in America that the way to success is through hard work and just give someone an opportunity and they'll make the best of it, which individually sounds great collectively acknowledging that our society has needed and still needs, although it's going to change and is going to morph cheap labor. And you need cheap labor to do a set of things. So everybody, if everyone's a lawyer, then lawyers don't make the same amount of money. If everyone became a doctor, doctors wouldn't make the same amount of money. It's just the nature of it. Right. If everyone became a banker, there are not a lot of spaces for for, you know, two million more people to become bankers. Right. Mm -hmm. It just isn't. So we framed it versus opportunity. But the, the that's the tip of the iceberg. Below it is the complicit role that government on a local, state and federal level have played in the perpetuation of a group of people gaining wealth and other people not. And, you know, in your show notes and, and things that we've talked about, history is replete with examples of this. Right. And so that's almost like that's not a debate at this point. Right. Um, you could want to look at it one way, but that's not a debate. So uh, the response and we've had a lot of responses and I'm going to say like post reconstruction. Right. And I think it, it's important for people to look at post reconstruction, how we started framing what the solutions are. And in a in a way, how they keep recycling, right? Uh, I, I want to save some of the, the the black bank conversation for another time, but I will just say it's very interesting that 
in a you know post civil war, Frederick Douglass was the president of the Freedmen's Bank, and now Killer Mike, Ryan Glover, and 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 you know Ambassador Young are pushing Greenwood banking systems, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, we have these circular concepts, right? We also have the circular concepts around education, around what we think will reduce the gap, and and sometimes I don't even think it's about reducing the gap anymore. Like, I actually don't buy that. I actually think that people are just saying, hey, we're never going to ever reduce the gap. We're just going to give some opportunity to make some more money. Like, and and I think those are two different things because reducing the gap would mean that you're going to have some people make a a substantive wealth development, a substantive wealth opportunity that, you know, uh, would really get them to the next level versus we just want people to do a little bit better you know what i mean yeah yeah uh you know so yeah because the and, and i should clarify it's not like it's a it's not really a bond meaning it's not a like a debt debted uh security or debt-based security it is like an account but the idea being um and i wanted to touch on what you said there around not really trying to <laughs> close the gap but just sort of like Maybe this time, you know, maybe maybe in this round of the of the American experiment, we can um we cannot have the place where eventually we say uh you know black folks in particular, um, but other people doing so well that then we do something to to basically undercut the wealth that they've developed, right? Because because that's the the right. the, the thing the that right that like you know. And, and I and I, I repeat this because I hear people talk about the age of segregation and these other things and and and, and integration in these ways that I think I said are not historically sound. In that there's no time in American history when black folks necessarily were just left to their own devices and not encumbered upon by the outside and surrounding world. You, you know, outside of the context of maybe being in maroon communities at different places, different times, but even then. The, the general idea is that they would inhabit a space that was out of reach, <laughs> you know, either due to, you know, physical obstacle or the energy it would take to, you know, go in there, so to speak, you know, into the great dismal swamp or uh, to to uh, try to manage all of the outlying islands of the, the Gullah Geechee cultures or the, uh, you know, before <clears throat> what is now called Florida, you know, came under the purview of the United States or the federal government, um, among other places. Right. So the idea that, you know, we, you know, sort of like, oh, we just, you know, we kind of pushed the black folks over there and we just let them do their own thing. And then within that space, we just, you know, we started building factories and doing this and doing that without any contact with the external world is just not, is just not accurate. Um, that we, we've always had that, that presence and the, um, the idea that like, we're we're not, you know, well, I don't want to say I don't think in my lifetime I would see a reckoning of sorts of 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 the realities of our society where it's like, you know what we need to do? We need to all come around, we're gonna get in a circle. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna chop this up, break this down, and figure out how we can get everybody in a place where they have these what they need and then the rules, you know, and if that means some people gotta hand over something, they gotta put something in a pot, <laughs> then we all gonna do that. I don't I I don't see it. Right. I have not seen that level of met of of how you say uh of I don't know if magnanimous is the right word, but of like 
I am so dedicated to the well-being of, of the life of you of humanity in this society that that those of us who have a lot are willing to go, hey man, and not just through a charitable device and like to buy malaria nets or like some other thing, but like, no, we just gonna put three trillion dollars in a thing and we're gonna start giving it out. Well, that's my <laughs> point. Like, that's the thing that I think we keep coming to in America around the conversation of, of this wealth gap and the struggle. So there's a wealth gap and then there's a level of structural inequality that perpetuates that wealth gap. And mm. then how we respond to the structural inequality as well as the wealth gap. So again, you know, uh, kind of giving where it's like we have a tax system that encourages you to make as much money as possible and then gives you a break on that money if you do things to usually give into people in some sort of programmatic function. Right. Which is the other part, I think, of why the baby bonds conversation is important. At some point. Go ahead. ahead. Oh, but and then the the thing I I think that just touching on that, though, is the idea that. That we have the capacity that or we could at least we could make the capacity to go. Let's let's basically start with some number generation. Go. We're going we're going to make sure from this group, at least going forward. When you hit a certain age, you're going to have something in your pocket to make a decision in your best interest, rather, you know, whatever that may be. If it's education, if it's skills, if it's, you know, just taking the money and, you know, having having something so that you have security, you know, that you're not destabilized, you know, financially, um, you know, which is a seems like a fair, you know. A fair way forward, but it but it doesn't necessarily say that, like I said, we're going to take away from you know, some other group that already has or some, some individuals that have. Um, and, um, you know, and I think that's an important point to raise with it because I think some would go like, you know, the that in order to give the sum that you're taking from others, which is not necessarily the case. Um, well, that's, that's part of the narrative in our world, right? The, it, because, they, again, going back to kind of the, 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 the you know, the conversation around Judge Jackson, it's any kind of shifting of, of resources gets framed as wealth redistribution, right? And so the idea what people come to hear when they hear redistribution is take from me to give to you versus as a state, we're identifying. And, and, I, and again, I, that's why I make this, make this distinction between programmatic stuff and, and just like tra- wealth transfer or, or, or cash transfer, mm-hmm. right? The fact that we're at a place where cash transfer, whether through, um, you know, basic basic income um, programs um, that we saw through the pandemic, that the reality of it is if people are in a bad situation, the best thing to do, quote unquote, is to give them money. Right. So that they can do something else. We actually saw. You know, and and when I when I worked for the city and we were trying to work on a basic income program, you know, you did run in all these people being like, so you're just going to give them money, <laughs> right? Like you're just going to give somebody money every month. And we were like, yeah, because they can stabilize themselves. It centers them in stabilizing themselves versus stabilizing the state or some form of structured program around how they would figure out their lot, Right. Mm-hmm. So then we, we saw during the pandemic that the United States actually entered into a con- entered into a covenant to say, yeah, the best way to save everyone in the pandemic and in an economic crisis is just to give you money. Now, you know, 
30%, only 30% of the money in the stimulus of the stimulus money was ever spent, which I think later will come to be a whole nother conversation that there was a wealth transfer to folks who never spent that money, which is again, different dialogue for a different right, day. Right. But the baby bonds model to me is good because it says we didn't create a program for a training program. We didn't create a mentoring program. And, and obviously I love mentoring programs, have participated in a whole bunch of them, though I do think we have to, there needs to be a kind of a resetting and reframing of what we're calling mentoring and also moving to more sponsoring and not just mentoring. Because I think the challenge is, you know, we put a young person in front of another person who ostensibly has made it or is slightly, <laughs> slightly more mature than them. And then we say, hey, you'll just get better through gleaning this person. That assumes that this person's structure in life is as such where just just being around them will help them grow, which I, I just don't see it, frankly. But mm-hmm. in, in, in the, the numbers, the numbers are on mentoring programs when it comes to certain groups of people just aren't in. Right. As far as it being transformative. So anyway, like. The idea to, to me of the bond is we're going to do the state is going to do and spend resources for a group of people for what all the groups of people take for granted meaning there's going to be 5 10 15 20,000 sitting somewhere at age 18 mm-hmm. of which you can then use your creativity and your ideas to do what you think makes sense with that resource based upon where you are if it means you started a business, to your point, if it means you were training, but at least it gives that person the decision space to make that versus they get to a certain place and decide how much in debt they want to be to said university or program. Mm-hmm. Right. Because essentially when we when when young people get to a certain place in our community and this is not just like folks who are dealing with economics, use all of our children for the most part, it's the decision of like, who do you want to go get in debt to? So if we, if there's a space where folks of different means can make that decision, I think that that's a really important shift along with basic income in how America deals with, again, I don't think it's shrinking the wealth gap per se. I think it's really about the space of how we're framing opportunity for people and moving past like scholarships and, and the different programmatic kind of state structured sponsored. Now, I mean, when I mean the state, I mean the bigger sense of the state um, programs unto a place of like, we're going to create a space where, hey, if you live here for this long, you get this cut, you get this much money. And now you're prepared to chase your dream and feel more a full member of society than people have. So, yeah. Well, and it, there's, you know, to me, there's a, There's a big, a bigger, there's, there's, there's a question or, not, or, the, or the thought of, you know, what do we do that demonstrates that we're actually invested in, like, young people? You know, because, like I said, you know, a lot is made to do in our political system and in our society around, you know, the interests of children. And, and you know, often they're, they're not really about the children. They're more about the, the sensibilities of adults. Um but, you know, people go, well, I do this for the kids and we need the family time and, you know, you know, cross more safety for the kids and this for the kids. And it'd be like, yeah, but the kids, you know, where was you know, well, none of y'all with the kids, you know, people with their kids, <laughs> with their kids, you know, the kids that were theirs, but they weren't necessarily, um, you know, demonstrating that like it's sort of like we do this thing and, and I've and I've, you know, 
especially like that you know you've already had a child go through high school i'm on the second child finishing high school and the amount of conversations when you start talking about colleges and other things and the narrative of like and these kids work their butts off to get the great grades and to do this thing so they could go become super indebted <laughs> at, a, at a selective university right. and then you know i mean like it, it'd be a way it's a very this you know narrative you know that that the kids that you know probably in many ways, uh, you know, maybe relative degrees of points different, maybe if we were scoring in, in what they did or didn't do, is then like, yeah, and screw them kids. <laughs> them kids could go suck a rock. Like, <laughs> like that's generally, that's kind of like what we what we will apply. Or like a kid who, for whatever reasons, usually reasons outside of their control, you know, experience great hardship and harm, you know, just trying to get through childhood that then they get to, you know, 18, 19, we go, hey, man, I know you was, you know, your, your mama died and, and your father, you know, passed away due to this and then you, you, you with your aunt and your aunt got arrested. And, and, but hey, you know, you was in the foster system for seven years, but, you know, bootstraps, you know, figure it out, buddy. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and, the, and the collective idea, like, what are our real values? You know, you know we practice um, you know, as, as a, as a sense of just how we live that, like, you know, I, you show love to young people of all walks of life. Like if I see some young people and like, oh, what y'all young people doing? Oh, man, y'all having fun, man, y'all have fun. If I had some waters or something, man, y'all young people take these waters. Like it ain't because I'm invested in, in one, I'm not foolish enough to not understand that some people, the people that are young will be the people that are not young when I'm old. And so I should right. have, I should have, uh, you know, even, you know, if you want to just have a self-interest angle for those of you that require that in life like it's it's in your best interest to make sure the kids are cool because <laughs> eventually the kids will be the adults you know and they and you and we, you'll need them to pick up you know when when you're you need to slow down you know what i'm saying and as a society we you know we say we do a great investment in education you know some places more than others sometimes you know but, but even very you know, i mean i guess it's as well doc- documented the whole like there's a school and then a group of parents start a nonprofit organization to raise more money to pay for extra stuff for the school because, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, if it's a public school, if it's a private school, obviously, you know, private schools operate on a whole different thing. Right. But school alone is not sufficient necessarily to like raise children. Right. Um, where do we, we demonstrate within like what we want for our kids and what we want our future to be to go like, yeah, like, uh, is there something set aside so that when they're ready to become adults, that they're not necessarily like overcoming this, this fantastic inertia, so to speak, just to, to kind of get their life moving where they want it to go. You know, and I'm sure there's an analysis, all this, that, that would uh, go like, you know, why are we so worried about people working or not working and these other things? And I'm like, I don't don't know. I don't have the answer for that today, but the, the sense that I think about it for myself, if I, if I knew when I turned, you know, 19, I don't know, I feel like 18 might have been, I might need another year of seasoning, but for damn sure, if I knew when I turned 19, it was like, yeah, we're going to have 45 racks for you to, to, to use at your disposal to move, to get your life going, whatever that may be, you know, if that's education. If that's, uh, again, if that's, you know, you, you want to try to, go and buy property and live in it you know whatever it would have it would change the dynamic of my life wouldn't have changed everything but it would have made many things different 
because I would not have had to go. I don't have any money. I, I, I'm, I, you know, like I could have made those choices based from the position of having the means to like go. Like, well, you know, I've, uh, with my, you, you would think that then also your, your structure building up to that and these people go yeah so when you know what do you, you know when you're 14 maybe somebody asks you so what do you think you're going to do when you get your your bond payout when you turn 19 he's like i don't know you know like that'd be the mentoring program conversation is like thinking about your future and like what you're going to do with this money um you know which probably definitely has some weirdness to it in another sense that like you know if, if people thought of it in a in some sort of crime prevention kind of way that's just came to my head but i'm thinking about it from a families um lots of regular folks who don't have any financial leverage to like kind of like make decisions about what they want to do with themselves how to get out of certain situations how to um take care of their families um and, and even the sense of uh just like i got something coming if i if i keep everything else in place that i can then make another jump right like i can you know, we can put that into fixing up the house or so that the family can keep property in the family, or you can, um, you know, if y'all done with city X, you're like, look, once all y'all hit this age, man, you go ahead and fly the coop, flew the coop and you can bounce. You don't got to be up in here no more. You can go wherever you want to go. Cause you're going to have a, a, a something to, to get moving with, you know, some, some, some energy. You know, and, well, there's a disillusionment conversation too now as you're talking about this because I think again there was this contract that you know at a certain place the contract is broken and and I think we can see in a variety of ways how the contract has been broken as reflected in the general unhappiness of young people right it's been kind of documented that young people of this generation and are just generally unhappy they're not happy campers. And they came into a, a they came into a, a country, and I'm just speaking economically here, that there were a set of premises. People would say, "Hey, if you go and get you a degree, you can go get you a job, right? And so you can pay back all the money you accrued in debt, <laughs> and eventually you'll get free of that debt. And by that time, I guess you can get you a vacation home in Hilton Head or you know wherever, <laughs> insert place in your region, um, and then die, whatever. So cool. And that was a contract that certain that it was a broader american contract now you know if you were a farm worker that really wasn't your contract if you grew up in certain cities in america that really wasn't your contract if you were rural folks that might not have been your contract but that was the general premise of the contract that contract has now there is no there is no semblance of that contract except for a certain group of folks who apply and go to a certain group of schools so if the idea is for folks who have been been disillusioned, been disconnected, to do this at a state level to provide resources, that is a space where you don't get a young person becoming disillusioned at 13 because they actually know that there's a resource for them, along with whatever program that may be there or mentoring program or sports program or art program that could change their life. There's also the reality of like, hey, here's a thing that you'll be able to build a life with. And I think that it's kind of even changes the tenor in the color of where people show up. Right. Like, cause you don't get, now you don't show up being like, okay, like you said, there's a part of this, like, okay, Hey, I worked really hard to then decide who I'm going to be 50,000, a hundred thousand dollars in debt to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's someone that does well in school. Right. <laughs> if you do moderately well, you're depend you're debating who you're going to go in debt to and at what levels. And then who in your family 
depending on the kind of debt you you have to take on, who in your family is going to take on the debt for you, right? So I just think that um, the last thing I'll say about it is, again, I think the political ramifications of this conversation, baby bonds and other solutions reflect where we are, where it's like, you have to center people, but you have to center them in like a race neutral way, which again, mm-hmm. I think okay, we there's some challenges around that, right? Like we have to center you, but the way that we center you is like, here's a program, but we know the program is going to help these people the most. It might help some other people too, but we do know that the rate, that the wealth gap or the opportunity gap is also aligned on racial lines, right? Um, and so I think that there is this like, this shift of how do you do that in broader systems again moving away from what i'm going to call like the civic aid part of it which is like i said coming out of settlement house programs coming out of the great society programs right where people essentially created programming to help groups of people do a thing right hey you want to be a construction worker hey you want to you know you want to do this hey you want to buy a house right there's a set of programs that we created um, maybe targeted programs, uh, you know, and shout out to John Powell for the targeted universalism, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think that a lot of this stuff is the outgrowth of, of the work that they did at the Kerwin Center and then the work they're doing now at, at Berkeley mm-hmm. of like, we're going to create a program that looks like it's for everybody, but we know it's going to impact these people more. Right. Which is what you kind of have to do politically in our systems to in order to impact people who need support yeah and it's um you know the the upside of the idea is especially in our society that i mean unfortunately if you can affix a dollar value to something then we we, people have been conditioned to respect it more um that it would be a substantive show of, um, look, you, you know, not only do we say we care about you, we, we put something aside for you, right? Which I should add in the article that I'm going to put link to in the Bloomberg, which is a fundamentally conservative concept of like, we're not, we're not making new money. We're going to take money when you're born. We're going to save it. We're going to take the money and leave it alone. Like people should have done with social security back in the eighties, but I'm not going to bring that up, Reaganomics. Maybe I am. <laughs> you have to bring it up. Yeah, you had to get that in. Yeah, to get that in because everybody just needs to remember, you know, go do the research, understand that the problems of Social Security started because some people couldn't keep their hands off that money. Um, they kept looking at it like we should use that, and it was like, no, you shouldn't because we're saving it. And they're like, no, 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 we should totally use it. And it was like, no, you shouldn't because we're saving it. And they're like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And then it wasn't fine. But anyway, um, the idea that like. I mean, in many ways is what we would, you know, what people and some folks claim, you know, especially, you know, poor and uh, more economically challenged families is that they should have saved more of their money, right? They should have lived within their means and these other things. And, you know, um, you know, coming from working class family, like where, you know, folks saved what they could, (laughs) right? And, you know, given present conditions, like some didn't break on the house or some other thing didn't happen that was unexpected or, you know, so, you know, that you, you did, you did do the best you could, you know, to, to have something for later. But the, the idea that you would have the, the, the economic largesse that you need to like kind of break you out of the kind of break through a different stratosphere where you'd have 
you know, um, the, you know, $60,000, which is not, which is, well, I think the, the, the higher end would be like where it would be like a pretty large up to $60,000, but you would need federal money for that. There's a couple state programs that, um, that Connecticut is mentioned in the article of Washington state that would maybe get up to 10,000, which, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Um, but for a lot of folks, you know, $10,000 when you turned 18 would be fantastic, but you also would still know it's $10,000. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to get it. I'm going to have to do something like that ain't going to last forever. <laughs> like that, that, that go faster than you think. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you, was, if you had to spend it immediately, but you know, generally the idea that we um, shift sort of the, 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 the assumptions of our society to go um, let's make sure that we we've put something aside for people to to act in their own interests and you know I think that is a, a really great idea my, my most worrisome thing would be the industry that would grow up working hard to be the person to get your money as soon as you got it um, you know hopefully in a good way but I'm sure there would be a fair amount of like you know, somebody's going to do what's to do. What's the ones that do the uh, you got a settlement and they'll, they'll give you money now so you can get your settlement later. Absolutely. That, that world yeah. like yeah. to protect because somebody's got to make sure that <laughs> uh, the whole bunch of young people hey, don't ever you know, that they money somehow don't get uh, they got to write into those bills like, hey, nobody can sign this over to no one else. And it only, you know, what I'm saying? it only goes to this person when they turn 18. It can't go to their parents or nobody else, it, you know, or wards of the court, like whatever the case may be. Because unfortunately, you know, money, the other thing about money in our society is it brings the worst out of people. And um, and, and that's, you know, as much as I would love to to assume you know, they're like, oh, people would be virtuous and stand up and it makes you there'd be somebody that's like, yo, you know what we could do? We could totally get, you know, this person who's going through a hard time to sign this document. And then, you know, kid finds out when they when they turn of age. Oh, yeah, actually. Somebody in your family got your money, got a percentage of your money so many years ago, and, and this is going to be remitted to us. And and so, we, you know, those sorts of things and preventatives would need to be in place because, you know, there would be a. Um, entire cottage industry. I mean, the same way that I think we've had a conversation about reparations on here. If if, if there was a reparations check coming out, <laughs> like everybody, like we went through reparations, got settled, we came to an understanding. There was going to be checks dispersed. There would be people lined up with all kinds of ways to try to get that money out of people's hands as fast as they could and back into you know wherever it had came from um, in terms of the federal government, and um, you know, and not always, not necessarily in a good way, and so you know, try to be positive, but also I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't trust everybody. And so, but I love the idea, you know what I'm saying? And, and I think especially uh, tied in with other planning, I think I said, if we really want a future that's different, we got a plan, you know what I'm saying? And put something aside for the kids. And some of these kids is definitely on like, you know, don't tell, don't, don't just tell me you want me to have a great future, man. Show me, show me the money, man. Show me, show me something. Like, let me, you know, show me some, some evidence that you that you invested, you know what I mean, in my well-being and my future. So cheer. Baby bonds. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Lay it flat. So um and we, you know, we're gonna try to handle this conversation with um all right. So this weekend or last week, um uh I guess it was in a club in DC. 
but the artist, the young the young man that 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 passed, and and I don't totally remember. I got one of the things about the brothers passing, but basically, um, the viewing, I guess we could say, for a a, a young rapper who artist, you know, music, he was a musical artist um, from the Baltimore area, and they had you know basically a viewing of sorts and it was viewing um in a club in dc and it made the rounds on the internets and and people you know put clutched their pearls and were upset um and and other things but i'm gonna start with this and i'm gonna say this if first of all like it's like if you ain't talked to his people Cause, cause you know the, the 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 common thing to do in these situations is to go. Maybe his people wasn't down with that, right? And by his people, I mean like his moms, his, his you know mom, dad, aunt, uncles, whomever his closest survivorship of family, um, and then like if they were cool with it, right? Is then then we go to the like. Well, it's still just, you know, we, we basically started having the conversation we had about the the our national nightmare of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock of, you know, this makes people look this way, this people look that way. I, I'ma just say, listen, if if his moms and his folks and the people that were there that loved, because I know, I didn't know the brother. So if the people that was there were singing his songs and and dealing with their grief. In a, in a manner that maybe may not be my way. I feel like I don't want to be too judgmental about it. It's wild. I ain't never seen nothing like that necessarily. But on the other hand, I'm like, you know, what they say, you got to live your truth. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm going to start there. What, 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 what? So, there's a couple of things about it. And, and, and to your point, I think once we accept that there are alternative ways of doing things, maybe beyond you know, what you've, what, what are traditional mores? Um, then you have to be prepared for what comes from that, right? Like you can't, you can't talk about being open and creative and like, to your point, like, Hey, we can talk about baby bonds, but you can't be blind to the fact that you might have an industry of people that try to take 40% of the kids' money before they turn 18, right? By giving the family a loan or something like you, you can't be closed off to that. So in the same way, you know, when you have this idea of, you know, young people who have effectively decentralized and deconstructed the idea of traditional black Christian funerals, right? Let's just call it what it is. They've deconstructed the idea of black Christian funerals when before everybody comes to a funeral in, you know, dark clothing, right? Mm-hmm. Now everybody comes to a funeral and rest in peace t-shirts and maybe that person's favorite pair of sneakers right like it just has shifted yeah so if it shifted to that happened let's also acknowledge that the way that people might want to mourn has shifted regardless if i find it to be necessarily the way i would want to mourn someone i care about right Mm -hmm. Now, I think there's an interesting parallel here. So to your point about this, and you can, you know, it's being viral, it's being transferred all through social media. 
you know, the South Side, you know, which I think is one of the funniest new comedies, um, mm-hmm. absolutely hilarious, uh-huh. had a very similar, you know, number one party promoter that really kind of touched on this idea of the new funeral, right? And how funerals are evolving in the black community. And I think, you know, again, if you're not really seeing it, you might miss how funerals are evolving, where they had a dude standing up and, you know, sitting in the club. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> dead. It, it, it was. Right? It, <laughs> like dead, like dead in the club, like sit, sat up, funeral director, figured out how to do it. Uh, put it on, made it, made it viral. Like brought a dude down, you know, to in the club, dead. Like hold it, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where, you know, there's a place where we may say where it just come from, but I think it's also important. And you know, uh, in this, in the show notes, we share this. It is important to know that in 1984 in South Side of Chicago, there was a fellow named Willie the Wimp, right? And he was the son of Fluky Stokes, which was a well-known gangster. He was killed. And Willie the Wimp was buried in a Cadillac crypt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was buried sitting up looking at a Cadillac. (laughs) Right? And this was in 1984. Mm -hmm. So this is almost 40 years. You know what I mean? This is 40 years ago. This is not like new. Right? And so it was extravagant. You know, Chi-Town do it like Chi-Town do it then. But I do think it's it's like a, I want to be careful to how I frame it. I want it like to your point, I want to be careful how much I judge it. But I also want to people should also remember that funerals and consecrations and ways that we define people, they don't go away. So it's not like just the event you had now. It's the event of like, this is how this person was seen. So if they were standing in the club with a, an Amiri shirt on while everybody sang their song, right? Their child sees this too, their uncles, their nephews, like, you know, like, what does it mean, right? So while I, I understand and appreciate the kind of uh, deconstruction of the traditional Black Christian funeral, you know, it also reverberates as an event of culture, right? It reverberates as an event of beyond, like, here's what you might have thought was cool to do at 24, but did you think it was cool at 44, or 54, or 64, Right. In regard to how you celebrated this person, um, you know, so I think it's like one of those when art and life are much more connected than I think many people think of. And even some what you might consider the absurd is actually occurring because when Southside did it and again, it was masterful how they did it. You again, there's some context from Willie went from 84. But besides that, it's like, what is this? But this, like, no, then someone in Baltimore, D.C. does the exact same thing and sings sings the person's songs while they're standing in effigy. It's the thing of, and I think we touched on this a little bit, and we've touched on it in other conversations, that the um, the public embrace of sort of like the 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 derivation the differences in the way folks move through the world um it may be just maybe a piece of the concept but like there's many ways to be black as black people um and other folks too because i'm sure other people got some interest in that i mean and i think and, and I, I can't remember the particular country or culture but i know that there is either a central american culture or community or south american 
state. I've I've seen it basically where they part of the the person's last days, you know, in the viewing would be putting them in a in a, in a way doing something that they did in life, right? Then in the image I have, I remember particularly is, is like I think the cat was like playing cards and they have him at the table playing cards the way he would play cards when he was alive. It's like a part of the process of his last rites before they bury the body. You know, it it, it ain't as it ain't, it's not it's not as it's not as outlandish as it may seem um in in that sense right um it is and then it gets into which i think would be something that is always important to me is like what are the what are the terms of how folks move through the, through life that they have agreed to and then you know so then when you see him do it you go like well you know damn like your first reaction might be like why would they do that you know, and, you know, and I wouldn't expect like I'm sure my mom would be like, wait, they had that baby where they had the baby. They was his mom OK with that. Like, I'm sure my mom probably she probably would take some convincing <laughs> to, to be OK. You know what I'm saying with that? Um, and that's OK. Right. It's all right to have that um, that we don't all agree. But it's a very um, and I and I can speak to this just from experience, like when you're trying when you especially if you're not connected to the person. And you trying to understand the way the people that love the person love the person and how they feel is um it, it's you know it gives me the space to go like I don't have to make a decision about this, I just need to explore it and, and I'll just be present. Um, I will say, and then I would strongly suggest if you've never watched the South Side and particularly Chicago's number one rap promoter episode, um you know, it, there's a whole lot of other things because it, it touches on sort of the the, the cultural you just spoke to sort of the cultural phenomenon of someone's relevance in a in a space or a city or a town or area, and that you know when when someone passes, if they have uh, a meaningful space in in the culture, whatever that uh, in the culture in this sense being the culture of of the area or, the, or society as a general sense, not in a specific sense. You know, people may feel moved to come to those services. Um, then people also sometimes want to be involved for reasons that aren't so savory, but they still want to be involved, right? You know, um, if someone is a national public iconic figure, so to speak, you know, when they pass, everybody wants people come out to the streets and might, you know, if there's a procession or something of that nature, if there's, um, you know, you name it, there are things that happen when folks die and when folks lose their life, especially, and I, and I should add that the young man was shot. Um, and that, that's not, wasn't mentioned in actually some of the first signs people brought it up. Um, so unfortunately, you know, you know, this young man lost his life, you know, violently. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a shock to the system to see, but I want to try to be compassionate that hopefully for those closest to him, maybe that gave them a way to move away from losing him um without uh you know with some sense of closure it, it you know it's almost so a part of almost like why did somebody have to tape it like you ain't need to show you ain't need to share it with us you know which gets into people's fascination with having to share everything like i gotta share everything like maybe you could have kept that to yourself like we didn't really need that was that was like it seems like a lost level of sacredness now you don't put it on the internet you know what i'm saying now it's now it's floating on the internet's for all prosperity, like you know, maybe that's maybe that's the that's the the hole in the in in the situation. But 
Yeah, man. You know, Baltimore, you know, the DMV and the surrounding areas, like a lot going on there. <laughs> the understatement of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that was the understatement of the first four months of this year. As understatement, hey, you know, I, you know, I'm trying to, you know. No, I mean, I think to your point, you know, it, it once we re-identify, once we start to re-identify things that are important to us, we have to we have to kind of do a deeper dive. And I think to your point, okay, do we now have a different way we see how we how we celebrate people's lives? Are we kind of going to do it in unique ways? Are we going to do it in ways that are honorable to that person now and forever? Uh, what does that mean? What does that look like? Right? Um, and it's not about again the white gaze. It's about the gaze of the shared collective interest of the people who are mourning but also looking to make sure they're thinking about mourning in perpetuity not not mourning in perpetuity but thinking about the event in perpetuity right thinking about how we celebrate life right and um it's, it's not a like i said it's not necessarily a judgment but i think to your point when the other parts of current society start to come in on it like it's done at a club, it's done, people are taping and filming, you know, this person has the newest clothes on, which again, it's the same thing that happened with Willie the Wimp. I mean, he had, you know, a, a, they had a silk suit made for his funeral. Mm-hmm. So, it, 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 you know, it, it that's just, I think, what we need to think about as a society about what we think is important today, what we think will be important tomorrow. Um, because to your point, the children of today become the adults of tomorrow. And so the decisions that we make today are not just today's decisions. Mm-hmm. They are the decisions of a, of a society and of a people who are through explicit and implicit ways affirming what's important. That's it. Um, well, I think with that, you know, we can come to a close for the day. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes, sir. Uh, so with that, I'm saying peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. The Ask Your Old Head podcast is a creative project started by myself. Good Brothers is the conversations between me and my good brother, I'm Majestic, uh, that appears here. uh, And I hope that it is a good experience for all who take the time to listen. Uh, You can support the podcast by number one, listening, uh, sharing, but also, you can uh, financially support by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can also look up the Etsy shop and buy something. And, um, you know, but all that is whatever it is, man. As this project finds its its next path and as I continue to work on this, my most appreciative thing is that those who listen, listen, and those who find something useful from these conversations and something valuable, you know, share it with others who you think may find value. Uh, in the meantime... You know, please be safe out there. And again, congratulations to Chief, uh, well, not Chief Justice, but I guess Justice uh, Katanji Jackson. And, um, you know, we look forward to see uh, what happens, you know, next with that, with her and her work uh, on the Supreme Court. And I'm just meandering and rambling at this point. So I'm going to bounce out and just say, you know, be safe and be well. Uh, brother's going radio silent, actually, though, for about three four days going out to the woods uh, and i'm not going to be on the internet so you know y'all be cool peace